Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. How you guys feeling this morning? My goodness. I feel like all of my cells are buzzing right now. Woo. Thank you, Lord. Oh, so good. You know that feeling when it's a hot day and you're sitting underneath of that mushroom at a kid's water park? You know what I'm talking about? You just kind of just stay under it. It's wonderful. All right. If you have your Bibles, open them up to John chapter 16. John chapter 16, powerful prophetic words that went forth this morning. Amen? Amen. Don't forget them. Meditate on those words. Amen? Keep them in your thought life. John 16, verse 33, I want to start with. And it says, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Now jump with me over to 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5. I know what you guys are waiting for, that corny joke I always say. It's before 2 John, right? I just said it. Uh, 1 John chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. Whoever believes that Jesus Christ is is born of God, and everyone who loves him who begot also loves him who is begotten of him. By this we know that we love the children of God, when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. And added to that, his commandments are not burdensome. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Now, I started talking about the world and worldliness a couple sermons back, and I felt like I needed to go deeper on this. Take hold of this. Take notes, pay attention, because I think this is really going to help you in your walk with the Lord. When Jesus walked this earth over 2,000 years ago, he overcame all the temptations of the world. He overcame all the temptations of sin. He overcame even when Satan himself came to him and tempted him. In one of the weakest times, right? That 40-day fast, right? Turn these stones into bread. How many of you know that would be pretty tempting at that point probably, right? When we talk about the term world, we are not talking about the earth or God's creation. Because the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. So it's not talking about his creation. Are you following me? We are talking about this evil world system that Satan is in control of on this earth. All you have to do, like I said before, is turn on the television, have a secular job, or go to Walmart, go somewhere for a little bit, get out of your house, and you will notice that there is a system that is anti-God, that's anti-Christ, and anti-Bible. Are you following me so far? That system is controlled by our spiritual enemy, Satan, and the kingdom of darkness. 2 Corinthians 4.4 says, uh, calls Satan the God of this world, but I I want you to notice it is a small g, right? All right? It's a small g, but Satan is the God of this world system, not of the earth, but the ruler of this world system that's built on sin. Listen to this. The Greek word that's translated tribulation in John 16, 33, Jesus said you will have tribulation. That literally means this, to be squeezed or compressed or to have pressure on something. Jesus said, get ready. Things are going to try to squeeze you into a mold. Are you following me? He said, it will come. But he said, be of good cheer, because I have overcome that. And because he did, your faith in him, you can overcome it too. Amen? Amen. Romans 12, 2 says that we as Christians are not to be conformed. That also means to be pressed into the mold of the world or to fit into this mold of this world system. Don't allow the pressure the world puts on you to shape your life. 
See, there are someone, there's probably people in here right now or watching online. The world, you have allowed the world. I'm talking to Christians, not to the child of the devil, the sinner, the unbeliever. I'm talking to Christians. But you have given in to a world system that has, has put a pressure on you and you started to bend. You started to get shaped by this world system. Spiritually speaking, there are two roads that you can travel on on this earth. Jesus said, described one as a wide road, which is the world's way that many are traveling on, and it leads to hell and destruction. The other is God's way, which Jesus described as a very narrow road, but that thing leads to everlasting life. 1 John 5 said that our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ will allow us to overcome this world system that's run by the devil. So why will our faith as a Christian allow us to overcome the world? Because it takes faith, listen to me, it takes faith to believe that obeying God's word is more profitable, more beneficial than to enjoy sin for a season. Are you following me, somebody? Sin is very deceiving. The Word of God does say there is pleasure in sin for a season, but it is temporary pleasure, but it leads to, a, to death and separation from God. Sin wouldn't be so alluring, alluring if the penalty of it was paid on the spot. Are you following me? Faith allows us to see past the deception of sin. Faith is always in connection to works as well. James 2.20 says that faith without works is dead. In the Word of God, there's some scriptures. Listen to this. This is interesting. In In the Word of God, some scriptures, it appears that believing is separated from faith. That believing is separated from faith. In other words, it's possible to believe something but not act on it. Are you following me? Let me tell you this. The Bible says that the devil believes in God, but there's not one bit of obedience in him toward God. So evidently you can believe something but not act on it. Are you following me? Faith is a verb in God's dictionary. It's an action word. One piece of evidence for the Christian to show that you are walking in the Spirit opposed to walking in the flesh is this, is that you put more value on spiritual things than on earthly things that fade away. So, uh, listen to this. Psalm seventeen fifteen. the first part of it in the Living Bible says this. But as for me, my contentment is not in wealth. No, no, no. But in seeing you and knowing all is well between you and I. Are you following me? Faith sees beyond sin. Faith sees beyond that deception. Our contentment needs to be found in our relationship with our Heavenly Father and not anything else on this earth. So I want to talk about today how to overcome the world. Overcome the world. Here we go. You will overcome the world. By staying spiritually minded on things above and not on things on the earth. That, I believe that was in a prophetic word this morning. Did you hear that? Did you catch that? All right, so go to Colossians chapter 3. We're going to dig deeper into this topic here. Overcoming the world. I would say that's a pretty uh, important thing that we need to learn as Christians, don't we? Thank you, you two. Now... Uh, so Colossians 3, 1 through 2, listen to this. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above and not on things on the earth. Oh, we're going to go deeper here in a moment. Listen, if then you were raised with Christ, seek, seek those things which are above If someone truly gets born again, if you're truly born again, at that moment, there will be a desire for seeking spiritual things. Well, how do you know? How do you know if someone comes up and they say the sinner's prayer and they walk away? It means this, that they will be bent toward God. They will have a desire for spiritual things. If they walk away from saying that prayer and nothing has changed, forget about it. Are you hearing me? 
That is the no-so experience. That is the proof that you got born again. You desire spiritual things that are connected to the Word of God. That's connected to the Lord. Amen? The Word of God gives us very clear warnings about some things here. Go to 1 John 2. See, uh, demonic spirits, Satan, they love to put fleshly and earthly bait in front of us. They want to, they're always trying to throw us off course. They're, they're always trying to get us to find, try to find a commit or a contentment in the things of this world, in finances, in riches, in worldly activities. Here's the deal. You're always chasing something and never finding it. You ever see that commercial, not commercial, but the cartoon, you know, Bugs Bunny, they put a carrot in front and that thing, yeah, they're just running after this thing, but it's on a string. Always running for something and never getting it. That's what sin does. That's what the enemy is always trying to get us to do. So first John chapter two, what? Nobody watch Bugs Bunny in here. Nobody watch Looney Tunes. It's great. Come on. All right. No. First John 2, you know, pastor, when he's having a rough day and things were a little rough, you turn on some Looney Tunes and you get your sanity back, right? <laughs> Come on now. First John 2, verse 15, look at this. Do not love the world or the things that are in the world. This is not a suggestion. This is a command. If anyone loves the world or the world system we're talking about, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. So verse 16 said that all that's in the world is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Are you following me? This is all that this world, evil world system has to offer. That is the definition of the world system. If anything you're into fits in that group, you're following the world system. Okay? So, here we go. That is why the Word of God says this. That we as Christians are pilgrims. We're foreigners on this earth. If you're feeling a little too cozy in the world system, you need to back away from it. Are you following me, somebody? Because it says that these things in this evil world system should make you step back and say, man, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely, my, my citizenship, true citizenship is in heaven. This thing is nuts. Are you following me? This whole abortion thing is crazy. Are you following me? This homosexual, this, this whole transgender, this is nuts. You should not feel cozy in this world system. Are you following me? In fact, it should bring an irritation to you. It should make you feel like a foreigner, like you're walking through a foreign land. Have you ever been to a foreign country? I know when, when I flew, we often, we went into Mexico. And I remember the first time I got off that plane in Mexico, it just, I was like, we're not in the United States anymore. Someone comes up with a, mach you know, a machine gun and they have to escort us into the building. I'm thinking, whoa. Yeah, I'm feeling a little weird here, pal. I'm not used to this, you know. So you're like, this is how we should feel in this world system. It should be strange. It should be foreign to us. Are you following me? We are in this world, but we're not of it. Or we're not supposed to be partaking of it. There's that song that says, this is not my home. I'm just passing through. We're passing through. And you better take some people with you to heaven. Are you following me, somebody? So here's where I want to start getting deeper. Let's dig into this. Two out of the three things listed about the world system begin with the word lust. Hmm, you didn't hear that. Let's break this down. Two out of the three things listed about the world system begins with the word lust. The lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes. Here's, if you Google the word lust, this is the definition it gives you. Lust is a psychological force 
producing intense desire for something or circumstance while already having a significant amount of the desired object. Lust can take any form such as sexuality, money, and power. All right? So lust for the wrong thing. See, lust is kind of a general word because we are to lust after the things of God. Are you following me? Lust is a neutral word, but we always think of it as bad because it's always connected to sex or something. Are you following me? It's always connected with something bad. But lust just really means a strong desire for something. So lust for the wrong things is a bondage or a stronghold in your thought life. You can't get enough of something. You desire more. So, how do you deal with that? How do you get rid of that thing? There needs to be a rewiring or a redirecting of your thought life. Because lust is a thought life problem or an issue. Are you following me? Okay. So, we need to renew our mind with the Word of God. And that is the renewing that needs to happen. That renewing, what it's really doing is this. It's shifting your focus. If you got a lust problem for the wrong things, you're focusing on the wrong things. Okay? Now, lust for the wrong things is not just a fleshly thing, but it can also have the added dimension of a demonic driven desire. There might be something that you got into, let's say pornography. Let's say drugs. Let's say alcohol. Something like that. It may have been something that started in the flesh. But Ephesians 4.27, you gave place to the devil now. Now, that thing that originally started just from your own thoughts and you getting into this thing and you, you dabbling things you shouldn't have been dabbling in, now the devil says, thank you very much. I'm stepping in now. Are you following me? You just opened a door to a demon or demons. So that's when now that lust turns into a compulsion. Are you following me? It's a compulsion. I know people who are so bound by pornography, they had to see a naked woman. They had, women, you listen, women are just as much in bondage to pornography as men. Are you following me? There's, there's stats out that it's, it's, almost, it's almost equal. So I've known people, there was such a drive in, in them. One guy in the past who I ministered to, he said he was so into it. He said even when he was around a woman, he would feel a compulsion to go and rape someone. That's demonic. It's a compulsion. When it turns into that compulsion, there's a demon present. It's not just yourself. Are you following me? Now, so here's the deal. That demon of lust or demons, they are fulfilling their desire, listen, to feed on trash through your flesh. Are you following? This is some good teaching here. You're probably not going to hear a lot of this on a Sunday morning in a lot of churches. Are you following? Right, Nathan? Yeah. You're not going to hear this in very many places. So the demon, these demons that you picked up by your willingness to step into sin, now they, that's where that compulsion is because their job, each demon has a function and their job is to get you deeper and darker into that bondage. Okay? So that demon of lust is fulfilling its desire to feed on trash through your flesh. A lot of people say, well, you know, it's not a demon. It's just their flesh. The the thing is, it's both. Because demons operate through the fleshly desires of humans. Are you following me? So what you feed on in your life gets stronger and influences you more and more. What you feed gets stronger in your life. The way to weaken that the flesh, to weaken the demonic spirits, that demonic bondage, those evil habits, those addictions, is this. Stop feeding on it. Stop feeding on it. Stop making, as the Bible says, stop making provision for the flesh. Right? Stop making it easy to sin. 
That's what that means. Stop putting yourself in positions where you're going to sin. Right? Those of you in relationships, if you have a, a fornication problem, don't be alone with that person. Hello, somebody. Don't make it easy to fall into that sin. Come on. Oh, come on, somebody. This is why. So this is why fasting is so important in connection to getting set free. Because it weakens the influence of the flesh and it weakens the demonic spirit's strength operating through your flesh. It allows your spirit man to rise up and take charge. Amen? Amen. Now listen to this. The lust of the flesh. The lust of the flesh speaks of any wicked desires stirred up by our physical or emotional needs, particularly the desire for pleasures. All right? Go to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. This is some good stuff. Take hold of it. And this is, this is something you can take or you can help others. Amen? Amen? I mean, I'm not the only one here to minister and cast out demons and do emotional healing. I want all of you to go out and help people. Amen? Amen. Galatians 5, 16 and 17. Look at this. I say that. Walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. Now, so this reveals, see, a lot of people read that, and they read it as the flesh and the Holy Spirit, the Spirit. That's talking about the flesh and your born-again spirit, the real you. Are you following me? All right. I mean, it's no contest when the Holy Spirit's up. No, what it's talking about is your born-again spirit in connection to your unrenewed mind, your flesh. Are you getting this? All right, thank you. Um, (laughs) So, our born-again spirit man desires to obey God, and the flesh does not want anything to do with God. All right? That's how you know. Am I in the spirit or am I in the flesh? What's the fruit of it? What's the fruit of it, right? The key to shutting down the flesh is to walk in the Spirit. Let me tell you something. Are you ready for this? Here's what, this is, this is how you break this thing. This is how you break the flesh. How many of you want to know this? Ready? When you don't, when you don't feel like praying, pray anyways. When you don't feel like praising God, praise Him anyways. You need to do something spiritual to disrupt the flesh. You do something spiritual. Pray in tongues. Do something spiritual to disrupt it. If you're going to go by your emotions all the time, you're going to live a life in your flesh. See, if you do nothing, if you do nothing, the flesh wins by default. You actually have to do something to get in the Spirit. That's why it's almost like the, the devil has an unfair advantage over humanity. Are you following me? Because they, have, they, they don't have to do anything. They're just automatically, we do nothing, we're, we're just going to flow and, and be led by our fleshly emotions. Whatever feels right, do it. That's what this woke generation's doing, right? Isn't that what the homosexuals say? Well, it's just love, right? If, if, whatever, if it feels good, do it. No! You actually have to do something to break the flow of the flesh. Being spiritually alert. Now, okay, go with me to Matthew 26 first. Matthew 26. I want to show you something here. You've got to cut that flesh off. Yeah, but I don't feel like praying. Well, you're just going to stay in the flesh then. Pastor's trying to tell you how to break this thing. You're going to have to do some things that you don't feel like doing. Amen. Because especially if you're in the flesh and it's and you've fallen so far in the flesh, there's going to, you know what? Here's the thing. You're going to have to get into prayer. You're going to have to get into the word. And it's not, I'm going to be honest with you, it's not going to be fun. Because it's going to feel extremely dry to you at first. Right? 
It's going to be extremely dry. If you've been feeding the flesh for so long in your life, your flesh is all strong and ready to go, right? So when you start getting into the Word, when you start praying, it's not going to be fun. I'm just going to tell you that right now. And here's the deal. You might have to pray. You might have to be in your prayer closet for a good couple, few hours before that breakthrough comes. There's times when I prayed in tongues and, and, and I, you know, you start off just kind of in the flesh, you know, it's like, oh, okay, you know, you're just kind of praying in tongues, praying, and all, and all of a sudden, you just keep going, even when you don't feel like it, and all of a sudden, you feel a refreshing come on you. You feel, you know what I'm saying? You feel that refreshing. You feel a strength coming on you. You start to feel the presence of God like electricity flowing through you. That is the breakthrough. That's the breakthrough. When we talk about breakthrough, we're talking about breaking through the flesh. We're not waiting on God. God's waiting for us to break through the flesh. Are you following me? Matthew 26, verse 41. Look at this. Jesus said these words. He said, watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. The spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. So being spiritually alert and connected in prayer, keeping that that line of communication open with the Holy Spirit will cause you and I to avoid temptation. Did you know that? In fact, your lack of prayer is the reason that you're falling into temptation because you're spiritually weak. Uh, Prayer is so important. Prayer is so important. Praying, it will strengthen you to overcome. I'm telling you right now, it will, you will avoid pits, traps, and snares if you maintain a prayer life, right? In, in fact, the Word of God says this, pray without ceasing. In other words, you're always keeping that line of communication open. And you know what it literally means? Pray without ceasing. It means this, that God is constantly in your thought life. You're always thinking of Him. You're always, always thinking. I was talking to someone recently. And it was, um, and I was just kind of impressed because everything they were doing, it was, it, it's always like this person is always constantly thinking about God. What's God going to think if I do this? God, what should I do here? And, and it, was, it was a constant keeping God in their thought life. So that's why, you know, in, when you're in um, your secular job and stuff like that, make sure you take some time throughout the day. I know secular jobs, they get busy. You get into things, but make it a point, make it a point, whatever, once an hour, once every, whatever, to, to just stop and think about the Lord. Stop and think about him. Stop him and just in your heart say, Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you. Lead me and guide me. Keep him in your thought life all the time. Amen. So the reason that prayer is so powerful and it'll help you overcome these pits, traps, and snares the enemy setting is because you're maintaining a spiritual mindset. You're, you're, you're meditating on the Word. You're keeping your spiritual ears open to the Holy Spirit. It's all about this one word. I always come back to it. You ready? Focus. Your focus. Your focus has to be back on Him. And because of that focus, you are maintaining a proper perspective uh, perspective of how dangerous sin really is and that it's not worth the price you're going to pay for indulging in it. See, here's the deal. What's that switch where you make that switch between the, the flesh and the spirit is the soul. The soul, your mind, will, emo- and emotions is the, the switching point that determines whether your spirit or your flesh is going to dominate. It's the thought life is so important. Amen. Now, so remember this, you will always go in the direction of your focus. A real good example is if you're driving and you're looking at something, you look at something to your right, you're you're probably going to start to kind of go in that direction. Your focus determines your direction. Now, let's go here. The lust of the eyes. The lust or intense desire of the eyes or sight speaks of any wicked desires stirred up by things that we see and covet, including the desire for passion and possessions. Like I said, pornography, that would be included in both of the lust of the flesh uh, and the lust of the eyes. Did you know what you look at 
affects your physical body. It, it literally affects the chemistry, the chemicals in your brain. That's why pornography is so dangerous. It, affect, it literally affects the chemistry of your brains. A brain. There is there is scientific. Do you have more than one? Anybody in here with more than one brain? No, I don't think so. Uh, but it will totally affect the chemistry. All right. Pornography opens demonic portals in your life. It will. All right. In your home. In your, wherever it is. All right. Um, so here we go. Let's go to the next one. The pride of life. Say pride of life. This is a biggie here. Remember, we're talking about the world system. This is all the definition of the world here. Here we go. The pride of life speaks of any wicked desires motivated by pride, power, prestige, and popularity. Pride is this. Are you ready for this? Pride is self-worship. That's what it comes down to. Pride is self-worship. It is impossible to have pride and worship God at the same time. It is abs- That's why it's impossible to have faith and fear at the same time. They're totally opposites. Are you following me? It's like day and night. You can't have both at the same time. So, um, you know, that's why the enemy is, again, trying to constantly throw us off course. He wants us to get into self. Look at James chapter 4. James chapter 4. I want to show you something here. Pride is absolute self-worship. It's this, taking God out of the equation in your life. That's what pride of life is. Oh, you got to have this, got to have that, right? All right, James 4, 1 through 4. Look at this. Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires or lust for for pleasure, that war in your members? You lust and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. Again, it's that carrot in front of you. You're never going to be satisfied by sin. Yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your own on your pleasures. Adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever, therefore, wants to be a friend of the world, this should scare hell right out of us. Whoever, therefore, wants to to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Now, it said this. I want to pull this out of that. It said, we ask amiss. Our prayers are not answered because we ask amiss. Because we want to spend it on our own pleasures. Again, it's coming back to that pride thing. Self-worship. Me, me, me. This is what I want. I want this. I want. Are you following me? So here we go. It's talking about worldliness. So to get the answer, to get your prayers answered, here's the deal. Are you ready for this? It cannot be motivated by your own pleasures. It cannot be. Mo- if you're praying for something, it cannot tickle your flesh, your fleshly desires. Are you following me? It must be approved by the word of God, which is the will of God. That is why so many prayers go unanswered, because the motivation of the prayer is all wrong. And then people are wondering, well, why isn't God answering my prayer? Why Get rid of self, and you'll see breakthrough. Are you following me? So this is talking about believers who are driven and motivated by the world system instead of of God's word and will. God will not answer those prayers. Save your breath and go back to the word. If, If you're in a place right now where you're frustrated that your prayer life seems dry, there's too much worldliness there in your prayers. There's too much self. Do you follow? Now, it's okay to pray for some things for yourself, but it's talking about the motivation of it. Are you following me? You have the wrong motives, right? In fact, God doesn't answer some of our prayers because he knows if we, he answered them, we'd probably turn into a bigger mess. Right? We would turn into a bigger mess. Lord, God, God, give me this, give me this. And he sees down the road, and he's like, well, if, you go, if James goes down that path, look at this bad thing that's going to happen to him down the road. 
So guess what, James? You're not getting that. And so we get mad at God then. We get mad at God because he's not answering our selfish prayer when we should be saying, Lord, thank you for not answering that prayer. The problem is you can't see the future. He can. Are you following me? So we need to thank God for unanswered prayer. Thank him for unanswered prayer many times. Amen. Jesus said that you cannot serve two masters. You will either hate one and you'll love the other. How do you demonstrate your love? True love is demonstrated through actions toward the Lord. Jesus said your obedience will determine who you love and your disobedience who you hate. Are you following me? Have you ever had at a job there was two people over you? And one was asking you to do one thing and the other asked you to do the other thing. And I guarantee you, you followed the one who had more clout over that other one. Are you following me? Jesus says you cannot serve two masters. Are you following me? If you will be a friend of the world, you are at that point, according to the word in James 4, 4, you are declaring yourself an enemy of God. And that verse was written to Christians. Are you following me? So you, know, you can only break a covenant with God if you're in covenant with him first. Now, James 1.27 commands us to keep ourselves unspotted. Say unspotted. This is interesting. To keep ourselves unspotted from the world. It's talking about the world system. All right. It's interesting that the Bible correlates the world systems a uh, system with spots. Okay. The filth of this world, uh, the filth of this world system, all it has to offer is spots. And those spots are like cancer on your spiritual life. It's like rust on your car. It'll only grow and get bigger and bigger and bigger until you take care of that spot. The question is, what spot do you have on your life today that you need to get rid of? What, you know, that thing that you've fallen into, that sin you, you have fallen into, it started off as a, as a little spot, a little thought, but then you gave into it and it grew bigger and it grew bigger. And now you're walking around saying, am I even born again? Are you, I'm talking to someone in here. I don't know who, but someone needs to hear this. So you may partake in, in something that seems harmless, like harmless entertainment, but it is a small cancerous spot that will grow and eat your spiritual life away. Go to Luke chapter 12. There's a reason why the Word of God is warning us about these things. We as Christians, we need to tighten the belt. Come on, somebody. We need to tighten the belt. You know what happens when I don't tighten my belt? The, the pants will make me trip. That's why it's called the belt of truth because it keeps them up and I'm not going to trip over them. But when that belt of truth is removed, they're going to be too long and I'm going to be tripping. Are you following me? Say belt of truth. Luke 12, 13 through 15. Look at this. It says this. Then one from the crowd said to him, to Jesus, Teacher, tell me, my bro, uh, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who has made me a judge or an arbitrator over you? And he said to them, Take heed, here it is, Take heed and beware of covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. Man, that's powerful. Take heed and beware of covetousness. You know what that means? If Jesus is warning us of this, he's saying this, it could be very easy to fall into that sin. Beware. If Jesus is telling, if Jesus was here in the flesh and he came up to you and you said, hey, beware of this, would you listen to him? You'd pay attention real good, wouldn't you? Well, it's in the word of God and it's in the word of God for a reason. The Holy Spirit is revealing the, the weakness of mankind. He's revealing the weakness and the temptation that we could fall into. And he's revealing, listen, the Holy Spirit's revealing the enemy's playbook. I love that. Wherever there's a command in the word of God, it, the Lord is, is revealing the playbook of where Satan's going to try to tempt you and I. Man, it's an exposure. Amen. That's why the enemy hates the word of God so much. 
When the Bible says to take heed and beware, again, be careful. The Holy Spirit said this. He said you might even fall into that sin without even recognizing it. You can walk away from God in your heart and not even recognize it. I had a minister friend tell me that once in the past. He, he, he fell into something and he said, I was traveling around preaching and all these things, but he said, I, I fell away from God in my heart. He said, I walked away from God and didn't even realize it because I was so busy with the ministry stuff. Someone said that today. Someone said that, huh? No, you, yeah, Morgan. Morgan said it. So, yeah, we cannot fall in love with ministry. We fall in love with Jesus. And our love for Jesus is the overflow that ministry is birthed out of. Are you following me? All right. So don't fall in love with ministry. All right. You're gonna, God's going to use you in a mighty way if you keep Jesus first. Um, so God tells us to be alert so we don't cross the line of covetousness or greed. Covetousness means to, to desire something greatly. Go to Hebrews 13.5. I'm almost done here. Hebrews 13.5. All right, we're doing great on time. Not that I care, but um, just to make you feel good out there. Um, now, let's see. That's a little uh, psychology. Um, Here we go. Pastor psychology. Hebrews (laughs) 13.5. Let your conduct be without covetousness. Here it is. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So don't allow covetousness or greed to dictate your life in actions. He said, you should be content with this, that you're good with me. And he says, when you're good with me and you're putting me first, you seek first the kingdom, all these other things will come into your life. Good things. Because good things come from the Father of lights. Amen? It is impossible to walk in love with covetousness and greed in your heart. It can't happen. Those two things, here's the deal. Covetousness and greed will cause you to rely on your own self-efforts, the pride of life, rather than on God's provision and help. It will do this. Are you ready for this? Those two things, it will cause you to sin to get gain. Have you, anybody here had a secular job where there was commission and a whole bunch of people were, were at each other's throats, all these salespeople, they would try to steal commission. You know, they would try to, anybody work a commission job? I have. It's miserable. You're always fighting for something. It's like, hey, what are you doing? That was my customer. Really? What's going on here? Then you would go to the boss, then you'd have to talk it out and the, uh, Sin will cause you to try to get gain in your own efforts apart from the Word of God. Look at Hebrews 13, 6. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? When there is no covetousness or greed or the pride of life, you are able to declare that only God is your helper. Amen? He is your helper. Okay, here we go. Don't allow worldly standards and possessions dictate your worth as a person. We read it earlier. Jesus said, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of things he possesses. Are you following me? They are not in the abundance of things that you possess. Have you ever heard anyone say when when you've seen someone rich, you ever have someone say, wow, that's the life. Wow, isn't that the life? Not really. Not really. Come on, let's get our let's screw our heads back on. Amen. No, your life doesn't consist or it isn't defined by worldly things. That's why people in Hollywood and all these millionaires, they can have whatever they want and they're still miserable. They're still miserable. How do you know? How do you know if your heart is free from covetousness and all that? Is the How about this? How about if God took your house away and you had to go live in a, go live somewhere else that's totally not 
what you're used to. Could you do it? What if he called you to a third world country to go be a missionary? I'm telling you, don't hold too tight to the things of this world. Don't hold on too tight to the things of this world. Look at Luke 12, verse 16. Luke 12, 16. Some of y'all just got scared that God's going to call you to do that. I, I feel it. It hit me like a ton of bricks up here. It did. <laughs> yeah, you know. Oh, Lord. God said, well, you're not doing anything in this area. I'm going to send you down to, to Guatemala. Come on, somebody. Oh, by my mind. Now, guess what? You're all going to be out on the street corner holding those signs up that we got. You're all going to be handing out hot dogs and cotton candy talking about Jesus now, aren't you? If you like, if you like the place you live, you're going to start doing it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. Okay, uh, Luke 12, 16. Then he, Jesus, spoke a parable to them, saying, the ground, uh, the ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do since I have no room to store my crops? So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there I will store all my crops and all my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many good Many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will, uh, then whose will those things be which you have provided? Why was that so hard, Lord? It's a little hot up here. Okay, here we go. So is he who lays up treasure for himself, here it is, underline this, and is not rich toward God. Is not, we need to be rich toward God. Amen? Amen? The rich fool was more concerned about laying up treasures for himself more than being rich toward God. It is not a sin to be rich, as I say all the time. It's not a sin to have money, but it's wrong when greed, selfishness, and pride of life cause that wealthy Christian to sin and abandon their love walk toward God and mankind. Covetousness and greed and all that follows will cause a person, like I said, to step on anybody to get what they want. Jesus said that we need to be aware of and take heed that we don't cross that line. We need to constantly be checking ourselves. Last page. Here we go. You ready for this? We're on final approach right now. In the same context of the parable of the rich fool are the verses that Jesus commands us not to worry, that God feeds the birds, and how as we as humans are more valuable than the birds. We're more valuable, in fact, than animals. Amen? In fact, Jesus wraps up his talk at the end that tells us why we shouldn't be focused on those things. Luke 12, 30 through 31, he says this. He says, For all these things... The nations of the world seek after. And your Father knows that you have need of these things. But seek first. But seek the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added to you. Jesus said, The world seeks after those things. You simply need to seek the kingdom. We don't need to go out and live life like the sinner. We don't need to go out and live life like the child of the devil. Are you hearing me, somebody? We need to live a life that's pleasing to God. Don't focus on what the world and sinners focus on in value. Christians, we need to be different. We focus on our Heavenly Father. Your focus and obedience to the Word of God as a Christian will allow you to overcome the pressures and temptations of the world. When you walk in love, listen, when you walk in love, you are overcoming the world. When you choose not to get discouraged by circumstances in the natural realm, guess what? You're overcoming the world. When you speak the promises in God's Word in faith, you are overcoming the world. When you pray and praise and worship, and when you read and act on the Word of God, you, when you act on the commands and the leading of the Holy Ghost, you are overcoming the world. We as Christians are called to impact the world by not being like the world. 
We as Christians are to be example to the world and follow the Lord Jesus Christ. And it shows them that following Jesus, that's where it's at. That's where the peace of life is at. Amen? When we let our light shine, then we will draw the world to Jesus. Because a city on a hill cannot be hidden. Let's stand in this place. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now, maybe there's someone in this place. You have never, you have never made Jesus Lord of your life. You're still a child of the devil. You're on the outside looking in. But today, something gripped your heart. Well, that something is the Holy Spirit. And he's saying, answer today. Don't wait any longer. Don't do it. If you're feeling that tug on your heart, guess what? That may be the only tug you're ever going to get. Think about it. If you ignore that tug today, this might be the only tug. You need to come to the altar today to make Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of your life. Now, maybe you're, you've been a Christian for a while, but you're one that I talked about. You don't even know. You fell so far into sin. You feel the spots of this world. You feel those the cancerous spiritual spots on your life, and you don't even know, Lord, am I saved? If I died right now, would I even go to heaven? And you're feeling that tug in your heart, right in your gut. You're feeling it right now. If you want to rededicate your life, I want you to come forward. Prayer team, come on up. Now, maybe there's someone in here you've never received the Holy Spirit baptism. Some of y'all are living real weak Christian lives because you haven't received the Holy Spirit baptism. Come on, somebody. Now, maybe you need a prayer for healing. You need a prayer for a family member. Whatever it is right now, I want you to come forward and you have all of these individuals that want to pray and minister to you. So, Lord, we thank you. Thank you for this day. Thank you for this this sobering word. Thank you for this word of warning. Thank you for telling us to beware. To beware. This was a heart check message today. And Lord, whatever it is we've been focusing on that's not of you, Lord, I pray you would reveal it to us so we can tighten our belt of truth and we will not trip over the lies of the devil or of the world any longer. Father, I pray you would be with each and every person in this building. Encamp them and their families with your holy angels. Lord, I'm asking for divine blessings. I pray doors would open. I pray favor would be upon them. Lord God, just bless every area of their life, and we thank you for it. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Come on forward if you need prayer. We have something going on Tuesday through Sunday. So join us. (laughs) Too much. But remember the healing service on Saturday at seven. Invite someone. We love you all. God bless you. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.